Hello, do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? If so, check out the Super Jcast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super Jcast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super Jcast for all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome to Jumping Bomb Audio. Welcome back to Jumping Bomb Audio, the number one show all about the world of Joshi Pro Wrestling. My name is Taylor, and I am joined once again, cruelly separated by the constraints of space and time, by my by my co-host, uh, with my co-host, Kelly. Kelly, hello again. Hello, Taylor, I have news. Oh, go ahead. Toy Fair Nolans has been canceled. They're staying in New York. So you're going to have to deal with me once a year, not next year, but once a year after that, every year forever. The the planets are aligning for jumping bomb audio. Yep. Uh truly things are happening. Uh that's very funny. Did they just decide New York is such a great town that they couldn't bear to leave? Uh, apparently in, like, the post-show, like, questionnaire they give out to everyone, uh, a lot of people were like, uh, no, I ain't going to fucking New Orleans, you're staying here in New York, and then they had to write an open letter to everyone and be like, okay, we heard you were staying in New York. Amazing. So, (laughs) anyone who listened and thought, oh, we might never ever get this opportunity again, I'm happy to tell you. You will. uh, In two years' time. In two years. (laughs) In two years' time, when this podcast is definitely still happening mm-hmm. and um, is even more successful than ever. Yep. Um, although we might say this podcast before two years will become so successful that we'll be able to um, fly our private jets to each other every uh, every two weeks to record. So that could happen. Yeah, once we're on like the Joe Rogan network or whatever the fuck. Don't don't put don't put that out there. <laughs> I don't want to be on the Joe Rogan network. Jamie, look it up. See if we got a Joe Rogan network. I mean, isn't he on? I mean, he's on Spotify, but. Yeah, but he'll he... like own Spotify soon. No, oh, God. Because Spotify will be like, shit, man, you're right. There are little robots in our blood. Well, let's talk about something a little bit more positive, which is Joshi Wrestling. We've got a lot to talk about on this episode. We've got. Tokyo Joshi's Wrestle Princess 4 to talk about. We've got Stardom. 
Nagoya Golden Fight to talk about and much more. We got some big previews coming up at Tokyo Joshi Korokin Hall Show. Oz Academy's big yearly show coming up with a lot of fun matches on that show. Before we get into it, of course, we got to do the plugs. Follow us on Twitter at JBombAudio. You can follow Kelly at Comic Kelly, and you can follow me at Tamembo. Subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice. And if that app of choice happens to be Apple Podcasts, we would really appreciate a five-star rating and review. And if you're feeling extra generous, you can donate to the show at redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping dash bomb dash audio. So let's get right into it with the first show we are going to dive in deep. Tokyo Joshi's fourth edition of Wrestle Princess, Wrestle Princess 4 from October 9th at Tamamirai Mese in front of 868 fans. Kelly, what did you think about the show overall? Uh, I thought it was a pretty solid show. Not their best as far as like these big shows go, but it was still a good time. Uh, honestly, that number is lower than I thought it was going to be. I thought the the crowd was, looked pretty good. I mean, I think they made the correct decision to move um, this, one of their bigger shows, out of this sort of like 7,000 seat venues they had been running where they draw 1,000 people and the sound um, gets swallowed up into the ether. I was... Very much more happy to see it in an appropriately sized venue. Uh, The crowd felt, to me, hot all night, uh, which was a big part of my enjoyment of the show. But uh, certainly a sort of uh, quasi-concerning number. It is the lowest, you know, with the caveat that the first Wrestle Princess uh, occurred at the sort of height of COVID. That it is their lowest attended Wrestle Princess of all time. Uh, the second one drew, I think, 914 fans, and the third one drew 1,007 fans. So about 150 less fans for this edition of Wrestle Princess. And I think that is something we will get into further when we talk about the main event and the result of the main event. Um, which I think lends a lot to things we've talked about on this show before uh, in terms of Tokyo Joshi and their booking decisions that they make. But before we do that, let's dive into the rest of the show, the opening match of the show, a singles match between the two youngest competitors on the Tokyo Joshi roster, Runa Okuba defeating Haru Karashiro in five minutes and 16 seconds. Kelly, what did you think about this opening contest? I thought the children did very well here. Uh, They both looked a lot smoother than they have in the past. And uh, their submission games are getting upped a little bit. So they're they're still working at it and they're progressing well. Uh, I enjoyed this. I won three and a quarter. I also thought it was a very solid match. You know, nothing crazy out of the ordinary, but very good between two very young 
and still fairly inexperienced wrestlers. I uh, have to give a shout out to Runa's theme, uh, which I think is a bop. Uh, great theme song. And I think that the result with Runa defeating Haru is sort of the... Maybe not pecking order is the wrong um, word, but sort of as I was watching, I was thinking, oh, Runa is ahead of Haru right now yeah, in terms yeah, yeah. of being comfortable in the ring, sort of having feeling a little bit more like an experienced wrestler. And then, of course, she uh, won the match. And so clearly that's what Tokyo Joshi seems to see as well. Uh, I think both of them have been. Uh, very solidly left behind uh, by Toga, who's sort of, I think of the three of them sort of together. And I think Toga has, you know, jumped up quite a bit. Um, obviously not as young as them, but I yeah, thought it also helps good- that she's not like a full child. <laughs> yeah. Um, but again, a very solid match. Certainly um, not a match I would have predicted they would have been able to have based on that first outing uh, a number of months ago, but very solid. And if this is sort of the thing that they do here for the next little while, I think that's pretty good. You know, I wasn't sitting there at any point thinking, oh my God, like, oof, I have to, you know, you can get with some younger wrestlers sort of, you know, you might think, oh, they're not even good enough to do this, but uh, I thought they were both very solid. Even Haru, who's a little behind, I think is still very, you know, a very passable wrestler at this point, which for 15 years old is great at this point. She's way ahead of the curve of 98% of other wrestlers. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I just thought of a good uh, a good meme. Uh, a politically t- a political related meme. You- oh, you've God. seen... You've no. seen the what's that guy George Santos? You've seen him the picture of him with the baby. I have no what. Okay, well I think that's his name. Yeah, George Sant. I know who George Santos is, but I have not seen a picture of him with a baby. There's a picture of him like walking out of someone's office with a baby, and like a reporter asked him like, "Oh, is that your son, or is that your is that your baby?" And he goes, "Not yet." <laughs> and so I want uh, to, <laughs> yeah. That- how is this so, related to what we're talking about? Here we go. I want to put Hyper Misao's face on George Santos' face and then Runa's face on the baby. And then someone asks, is this your kid? And she's like, not yet. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> she, would, she would tag with the children. Uh, if anyone wants to do that, they can send that um, image to <laughs> Kelly on Twitter at Comic Geek Kelly. Yeah, send me memes. Um, for that uh, very complicated explanation of a meme. <laughs> uh, the next match on the show was a six-person tag team match. The Tokyo Joshi trio of Arisa Endo, Himawari, and Kaya Toribami defeating Harukaze Riara and Yoshiko Hasegawa in 12 minutes and 7 seconds. I thought this was a fun match. Thought everyone had some chance to uh, shine. And I think that they should book the uh, Gambari uh, wrestlers more because I think they sort of do it on these big shows. And I don't really understand like why they don't do it on Corican shows or things like that. 
um, because I think they sort of give a fun wrinkle. It makes your roster a little bit bigger that you can sort of have these, you know, if they wouldn't have been here, the other option would have been, you know, I know that she's um, out at the moment, but it would have been like uh, uh, Haruna Neko, which is like, oh, that's fine. But someone we've seen do this sort of match 10,000 times. And so I think this adds a little bit of a nice twist. Yeah, and like the the Ganjo team being like invaders adds a little bit of juice to the matches too. Like they all worked a little bit harder because of that. And uh, you know, Endo turns back the invaders, gets a strong looking win with her brutal looking camel clutch, which I'd still say might be one of the best ever in the business. <laughs> uh, really good tag. I went three and a half. I also thought it was the best, you know, I've seen a bunch of Harukaze matches. I thought this was the best that she's ever looked. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know if it was specifically, you know, I don't have any specific thing to point to, but I was sort of watching being like, oh, like someone you've seen a lot. You're like, oh, they're coming back in. Okay, I'm watching them again. Um, I sort of know what to expect. And I was sort of uh, pleasantly surprised because I uh, very much enjoyed um for work in this match mm-hmm. yeah i thought all the all three of the uh ganjo wrestlers came off really well the next match was a singles match the karate kids explode as mocha miyamoto defeated juria nagano in six minutes and 28 seconds my first note on this match we didn't do it fam no no gear we didn't do it uh I just, I don't know. And now I feel like I'm getting Stockholm syndromed because Mocha came out and I was like, oh, it's not new gear. But then I was looking at the gear and I was sort of like, I guess the gear does look better. <laughs> but in my brain, I was like, no, you're just saying that because you're justifying yeah. the fact that she didn't get new gear. Yeah, it does not look any better. And it's one of those... It's just so bizarre because now she started doing this like psycho mocha character more where she just like stands in the ring with a scowl on her face. And I'm like, she needs some gear for that. Like, that's a different energy than person who comes to the ring in like a thick skirt. Yeah. Um, And then the finish, the like twisting brain buster suplex thing i'm like this whole energy is uh very different here yeah that new Uh, finishers looks good i like it yeah um i also enjoyed the karate chop exchange that they had sort of the play on um like the strike exchange in the middle of the ring but instead doing karate chops which i thought was was good um yeah any other thoughts on the match kelly I kind of feel like Juria might be starting to stagnate. Like, I feel I haven't had that kind of like, oh my God, look how good she is moment in a while, where now it's just like, yeah, she's just as good as she was the last time I saw her every time. And there's the, it doesn't feel like she's improving anymore, which is kind of worrisome. She still feels like she hasn't, um, as we've talked about with some other people on the roster from time to time. I'm trying to think of like the last person we talked about this with. 
but still hasn't felt like, I guess Yuki Arai is one. That would be one of someone who sort of has their um, bits that they do, like the thing, like the finish where she's moving her arms all around. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And, you know, she does that a lot in some other moves and she's doing the kicks. So it feels like she has the moment to moment things she needs to do, but there's still no sort of connective tissue to anything. Right. It's sort of like, ah, this is the portion of the match where I do my this type of kick. And then the match is sort of like, oh, nothing's really happening. Oh, and now I'm doing my finish where I go, you know. Um, So it just feels like she hasn't developed the full style. It still feels like she's sort of stuck in the, ah, here's what we initially had with you. And it's just like, oh, she's just going out and doing those four or five things. Mm -hmm. And then her opponent is sort of filling in the gaps. Pretty much, yeah. What needs to happen. So I sort of get it. It does seem, I mean, she lost this match. um, And I know that she was out injured for a while, which also didn't help. But it does seem like they're sort of slow rolling her. Of course, the fear now is she turns into like a Kaya Torabami who's very talented and sort of has put it together, but I think took so long that now she's sort of stuck in this fill-in role of like, oh, we we have five people for this tag. Oh, we need six people. Okay, it's going to be Kaya. Because um, she, like, fills it in. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's... She has to go one way or the other where it's, she's either going to be this really solid undercard wrestler or someone they actually have something with where it's like, oh, she's progressed into being a viable main event wrestler. Yeah, and I think probably being injured didn't help because that probably would have been the time where she would have been doing that. And now part of her coming back is sort of being like, hey, I need to get back into the rhythm of like just doing this. Um, Because it isn't like she was a 15-year veteran where it's like, oh, I got injured. Okay, I have to come back, knock off the ring rust, and just get back in there. It's like she was still sort of learning. Yeah. So now you've been out. You may have, you know... So now you take sort of a step back, and you have to figure out first how to get back to the point you were before you're thinking about, okay, what else do I need to do to really, um, you know, evolve? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah uh, I haven't lost hope I understand what you're saying I'm sort of less worried about it especially because as we'll talk about in the main event um, sort of the top of the card is becoming jammed with people who could move up and haven't so I think being like oh let's rush and get her up there to sort of do what yeah exactly I don't. I don't feel like we should rush but it's just it do, like I say, it didn't feel like she's imp- starting to improve yet. It's just kind of like, oh, she's as good as she's always been. Although I'll say she does have a title match on the next big show. Um, so maybe they are doing that. <laughs> but yeah, so I think we're sort of on the same page there. The next match was another six-person tag team match. Aja Kong returned to Tokyo Joshi to tag with Raku and Shino, Shino Suzuki to defeat 
Hyper Masao, Toga, and Wakana Uihara. Uh, Kelly, what'd you think of this one? Jesus Christ, Kong killed Uihara with that fucking suplex to close out the match. Like, that that was my big takeaway. Like, that made me jump. Like, that was... Woof, that was rough. I'm glad Uihara was all right after that. Uh, but I will say, I was... I did feel like Toga was kind of lacking in her interactions with Kong. I was hoping for a little bit more out of that. But other than that, this was a lot of fun. I mean, I thought Aja obliterated both Toga and Wakana at different moments and then <laughs> killed her, killed Uihara with yes. the finish. Although you could sort of tell as they were setting it up, they were like, okay, be in this exact position and do not move from this position or you will be injured when I give you this. <laughs> like, the setup was so deliberate. It was like, okay, do this, do this. And then she was just like, Vroom! and I was like, Jesus. Yeah. Um, I was very excited. They seemed to give, felt like to me, they sort of gave Uihara the sort of got the shine in this one it felt like she really felt like a featured part of the match and i think i thought of it less as like oh toga under delivered i thought toga was fine but i thought uihara really was the sort of star of the match and i was like oh do they really like maybe have something with her she seemed very you know went with Aja, did all this stuff, took the finish, like just felt like a big deal for someone who is in that sort of quote unquote rookie, that big rookie class, even though she's sort of in her own world from the dream on the ring stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, Uihara, I feel has really stepped up. I'm, I'm becoming more and more impressed with her. I also, it was funny because you know, it sort of started comedic. It's a hyper Masao match at a big show. I was thinking, okay, you know, you have Aja Kong and Raku teaming together. I'm, I was thinking, okay, this is going to be a sort of goofy match, the sort of typical hyper Masao, but also the stuff with Raku and Aja and everyone else is rookies or very young wrestlers. And then it really wasn't that for most of the match. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did write at this point, and I should have um, I should have held off um, writing this for a later match, um, which is is Tokyo Joshi a more serious sports based promotion than AEW? Because I'm like I'm kinda. like between this and then some matches coming up, I'm like there's less comedy on this show than there is on an AEW show. Yeah. Which is funny to think about. I'm like, there was very little comedy. You know, there was the Honda part, which, you know, the Honda sections, which we'll talk about. There was a little bit at the beginning of this match. But other than that, it was there, like I guess a there serious was show. Some in the Max the Impaler Rika Tetsumi match, but not much. But that's sort of like, oh, she's so big. Yeah. Uh, like, oh. Yeah. Um, you know, you're so used to like Tokyo Joshi shows where they're like, oh, here it's a big match and we're riding a bicycle around the ring. Like, rrr, rrr. <laughs> there was really none of that. Um, so, yeah, just something funny I thought of as I was watching. Yeah, no, that's uh, you, you get you got something there. 
it was announced before the next match that Saki Akai's retirement match will be, I believe it had been announced prior to the show um, in DDT, but uh, on November 12th, Saki Akai will be having her retirement match. That's a six-person tag. Miyu uh, Yamashita will be in that match on the opposing side from Saki Akai. They also mentioned on that show uh, there there will be, I believe that's Ultimate Party, DDT Ultimate Party. Yes, I think uh, so. Um, there will also be a Tokyo Joshi um, offer match, I guess if you want to call it, a Tokyo Joshi match. Uh, Yuki Arai, Moka Miyamoto, and Shino Suzuki versus Suzume, Ariso Endo, and Wakana Uihara. Um, a bit of a surprising roster of uh, wrestlers there. Yeah, you know, I, it feels like they're trying to get some of the younger wrestlers in front of these different eyes and like, hey, these are going to be the people going forward. Because that would usually be the spot for like uh, Shoko Nakajima and, um, you know, Miyu, who obviously is in the match with Saki Akai, but sort yeah. of that level. And I'm sort Mizuki, of excited to, Yuka. Yeah, to see these wrestlers go out and you know, try and impress. Um, I think that's sort of a fun thing and it's fun to see sort of people you don't expect, you know, it isn't the same thing. Okay. I'm used to, I know what these people can do. Um, I think it's a fun group and I'm looking forward to watching that match. Mm -hmm. The next match was a tag team match. The duo of Miyu Watanabe and Yuki Arai defeating Ryo Mizunami and Yuki Aino in 13 minutes and 10 seconds. Kelly, I don't know what you thought about this match, but this was my favorite match on the show. Wow. And I loved it. I thought it was amazing. It was really good. Uh, my first note reads, get those fake-ass passion injection matches the fuck out of my face. Aniki I mean, is the true yeah. passion injector. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she came out, first of all, even before the match started with so much energy and the crowd was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. let's go. So it was already like, okay, there's energy to energy to this. But then they just spent the whole match or nearly the whole match just trying to obliterate each other. It was so good. Um, and I think Chris Book said, I think it was during this match, he's like, it's very funny for a promotion that's about, you know, a large part of it is like, oh, isn't this cute? You know, oh, we're mm -hmm. cute. Oh, we love, you know, Mi Watanabe comes out and does the L-O-V-E things. And then they just come in and they beat the shit out of each other. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so weird. But I, like, thought this ruled. Yuki Aino deadlifting Yuki Arai, like, all over the place. Um uh, I thought was great. There was a great uh, Ryu, uh, Ryo and Yuki Arai strike exchange that I really yeah. loved. And it was just like fighting. It was just like fighting. I was like, they just went in and they're like, we're going to fight. Here we go. Um, and then like after the match, like Miu laughing at uh, Mizunami as she like pushed her off and she's like, ha, ha, ha. I was like, whoa, this is wild. <laughs> Uh, I went four and a half stars. I I was four and a quarter on it. I I loved it. I thought it was great. Uh, 
Aino and Mizunami were just perfect as like the stronger antagonists in this match to Miyu and Arai. And Arai needed a match like this. This was exactly what she needed to have some passion injected. <laughs> she showed some fucking real fire here. This might be I, the best she's ever looked, I think. Just awesome. Awesome, awesome match. Yeah, I thought she looked... I thought it was the best she'd ever looked. Um, and she's had a couple because she had the match a little while ago that I was like, oh, she looks, you know... I think I said the same thing. I was like, this is the best she's ever looked. And now here's another one. Yep. Where I'm like, oh, this is the best she's ever looked. So... Uh, that's great because it means she's improving, you know, match over match, which is really great. And yeah, it just, I almost, you know, and I almost never do this. This show happened obviously a week ago. Um, and I watched it. I didn't watch it live, but I watched it pretty close. I think I watched it the next day. Um, and I almost went back before we recorded and like rewatched it, which is something I (laughs) almost never do. Just because yeah. I was like, yeah, I want to like watch it again. Like, give me that energy of like, you're just sitting and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Um, Mizunami has so been thought, so valuable to the Tokyo Joshi roster. Yeah, she has been, you know, I don't know if she would really qualify. I mean, there's really no, like, we're just making this up, but she doesn't appear that often. So it's sort of hard to be like, she's the MVP of the company when you're like, Oh, she's only appeared what six times or something. Um, but every time she appears, you're like something good happens. And I think it's sort of the opposite of, um, someone will, will talk about coming up, which is like bringing in an AEW wrestler for, one show where there's like no story they're just coming they're like sure i'll do this match i'll you know go i'll have fun we're like mizunami feels like she's trying to like prove something every time she's wrestling in tokyo joshi yeah it really feels like she's trying to bring something out of her opponents uh so i hope she keeps coming back and i also hope that tokyo joshi can find more people you know, they are very sort of cordoned off in their own world. You know, obviously, Aja Kong appears on almost all these big shows. You know, they have Mizunami. But I think there's probably other people, especially with Saki-sama um, leaving, where you could probably bring in a, you know, I'm not saying you have to bring in 15 people who don't wrestle in the company, but one or two more, I think, would provide some sort of fun matches and give people like Arai and Miyu who aren't wrestling at the top of the card for these shows, something to do and something to like learn from and not just be stuck in a tag where you're like, sure, we'll go out for eight minutes and we'll just wrestle each other and nothing will come of it. Yeah. Bring in a fucking sorry. Have her give us a singles match between her and Miyu. I don't think sorry is going to come in because she, I think is on the record as hating idol wrestling. (laughs) Well, good. Um, that then even better, <laughs> even better. Bring her in then. Just Have to uh, try and destroy a, the company. Yeah, work a whole fucking story around that. That'd be so good. That's even better. I think even more. They need to bring her in now. Uh, 
But yeah, great match. Uh, go out of your way, I would say, to watch that if you haven't watched the yeah, show. Yeah, absolutely. After this match, it was announced that Regina, uh, a wrestler from Fight Club Finland, who weighs 105 kilograms, I believe, was the information that we were given in the VTR, uh, will be coming to Tokyo Joshi. We will talk about Regina shortly because she is um, doing the classic come to uh, Japan and get an immediate title shot. Uh, (laughs) So we will talk about her shortly. I don't know anything about Regina. Kelly, had you ever heard of Regina? Never heard of her. This video. Nope. I had not either. Um, I will have to look more information about her i didn't even know that there was really a wrestling scene in finland no uh so uh you learn something new every day yeah you know what Uh, maybe we'll learn there's a whole great world of wrestling in finland the next match was the neo bashiki goon farewell match i guess we'll call it now uh, after the events, after the match, the Neo Bashiki Goon Quartet of Martha, Mesam Michel, Saki Sama, and Yukio Saint Laurent defeating Antonio Honda, Palm Harajuku, Shoko Nakajima, and Suzume in 14 minutes and 45 seconds. Uh, Kelly, what'd you think of this uh, big match here? Uh, you know, we're all beautiful Bashiki babies. I really that was my big takeaway from this match and you know it's something I'm going to I'm going to look in the mirror every day and say that to myself and try and trudge uh, I, along. Yeah, I promise to Saki-sama that Kelly and I will continue the mission of spreading beauty throughout the world. Yeah, we sure um, will. Something that the two of us are very good at doing. Yep. Um you know, I thought this match, it was... It was exactly uh, what it needed to yes, be. Yes, it was they played what it needed to be, yeah. Um, Yukio Saint Laurent and Palm Harajuku, of course, the Battle of the Ages. Uh, I did enjoy that no one, except for Yukio, was actually looking at Antonio Honda for the Gone the Fox story. Um, <laughs> and then randomly turned back to look at him so he could poke them in the eyes. Um <laughs> But I have to say, you know, a lot of this is sort of focused on the post-match of Neo Bashiki Goon saying that they will be going, I guess they are abroad because they're French. Yeah. um, But going abroad, not to Japan anymore, to continue spreading uh, beauty to the world. And I have to say that watching, I was getting a little bit, you know, I was getting a little bit sad. Yeah, no, I was too. It was sort of like hitting me in that moment of, you know, with so many changes in the way that Tokyo Joshi has sort of evolved in the last three years or so, you know, thinking, oh, this sort of team that has been very consistent and been here for many years and had many great characters. I mean, you think of, you know, Masao in. Neo Bashiki Goon for that period of time or the other you know characters that have come in it's been a staple of the promotion and I don't really know what is the replacement 
for the you know thinking of the next big show which is going to be in march sort of what is the is there something that will happen to sort of replace this legendary unit in the company yeah i I don't know it's they're they're gonna be missed it's an act i really enjoy and i was kind of hoping they'd find a way to keep it around but i was sort of partially hoping that they would name may saint michel sort of the leader or yeah you know get someone else i don't know who that would be but you know get a uh i don't know i can't think of anyone right now but like uh uh toga sama or something something <laughs> that, that yeah. would be it um on an unrelated note i hope that tokyo joshi speaking of bringing in people like ryo mizunami i hope that tokyo joshi starts bringing in uh mesa ruga that would be cool yeah i wonder why they haven't uh totally well they did she was on the first yeah, wrestle true. princess yeah that's right she uh, was so i hope that they bring her in um and I hope one day we get to see Martha and Yukio Saint Laurent and all the rest of them. And she worked a DDT show recently that I keep meaning to watch and I keep forgetting about where it was like a road to Saki's retirement match where she was in a trios match opposite of Saki's team. That mm. the, It sounded really good and I just kept forgetting to get around to it. Well, let's uh, keep our fingers crossed, but a uh, uh, sad... Au revoir to Neo Bishikigun. Hopefully, yep. just for now. Hopefully. I, I would love for them to, to pay us a visit every now and then. Uh, the Before the next match, a lot of announcements on the show, it was announced uh, some of the early 2024 shows, of course. Uh, Tokyo Joshi will have their traditional January 4th Corican Hall show. Uh, which was just recently announced being counter-programmed by Stardom, who Whoa. will be having their own uh, January 4th show before Wrestle Kingdom. Also Fuck announced, you, Rossi. I'm going to shit in your hat. <laughs> also announced during that period. Uh, that means there will be no Stardom on Wrestle Kingdom proper. Um, but we'll get I to did that like later. that Kidani like apologized to whoever was there with him at that moment. Like, oh, sorry about that, guys. Uh, anyway, what else is going on? They will be having, of course, the Max Hart Tag Tournament. They have uh, Corican on February 10th, and then the Big Show Grand Princess 24 on March 31st at Ryogoku Sumo Hall. I think so I'm going to that- go to that. The next big show. Oh, Kelly may be giving in a live report. Yeah, like within uh, within seconds of them making that announcement, I was like, "Fuck, you know what?" I because I've all the next time I wanted to go to Japan, I wanted to kind of center it around a sumo hall show because when we stayed around that neighborhood uh, back in 2019, I really loved that area of Tokyo. So I was like, "Shit, I want to kind of just I'll gr- probably grab a hotel at the." Uh, sumo hall hotel across the street and then i was like they announced that and within seconds i was looking at flights <laughs> wow they got they got kelly yeah uh so maybe we will have some live uh reporting there maybe uh, we'll have to do some uh creative 
time management to record a podcast 13 hours <laughs> separated. Yeah. Um, but yeah, exciting. Good to see that they're still doing um, the big shows. And of course, they have the Corrigans, which are uh, tradition. The next match was a singles match and our last non-title match of the evening. Nyla Rose defeating Maki Ito in 12 minutes and 20 seconds. I thought that this match was just fine. Um, Just felt sort of like standard action. Um, Nyla, of course, winning, AEW winning. Um, But just felt like sort of a purposeless match to me. Yeah. Um, Ito at this point sort of feels has started to feel disconnected from a lot of Tokyo Joshi as she's in America so often now that it just sort of feels like someone who has one foot out the door in some ways. Um, and with Nyla Rose, who is good, but really has no Tokyo Joshi connection, really. You know, she had the match with Miu, but. It just sort of felt heatless. It didn't really grab me in any way, so it was just sort of fine. Yeah, not a great match to come back from intermission with. Yeah, and I think... Um, yeah. Ideally, yeah. I probably would have swapped the placement of this match and the uh, Passion Injection tag. Yeah, or done them you know, maybe the Neo Bashiki Goon match would have been good here. No, I feel like that you need, well, you need to go to intermission after the Neo Bashiki Goon. Yeah, I guess because people are crying. Yeah, can I uh, go have a good cry in the bathroom? <laughs> uh, but really not much more to say about that match, really. No, it, it happened. I'll never think about it again. The next match was for the Princess Tag Team titles, which were vacant. The duo of free Wi-Fi, Kari Noah and Naoka Kuda, defeating the Toyo Mates, Mahiro Kiryu and Yuki Kamafuku in 13 minutes and 37 seconds. Uh, I really enjoyed this one. I thought it was just sound, hard-hitting pro wrestling. The crowd was really into it, um, as they were most things all night and with the streamers. Um, And I just thought it was a very good match. I'm very glad once again to say those many months ago where I made my final decision on Mahiro Kiryu. And once again, I'm proven that I went the right way. Cause she, I thought she was good in this match. Yeah, no, I thought, uh, I thought my hero looked really good here. Uh, I'm just, a lot of the match was kind of a blur for me because it was just the the flash of joy when I was like, oh my god, free Wi-Fi finally did it. The the girlhood dreams have come true. I mean, and also exciting to just see two new, you know, not new teams, but sort of new teams to the scene facing off, knowing someone's going to win the titles for the first time. It's like sort of an exciting thing and it's an exciting... I think the division is sort of exciting because the teams that have held the titles for so long in that division have all cleared out now. 
Yeah, you know, they're pretty much just slowly phasing themselves out. Yuka is gone. Uh, Yuki Aino, of course, is by herself now. Um, Niobashiki Goon is leaving. So it really is an opportunity to get some of these people who are sort of sitting on the upper mid-card, maybe mid-card, and have them do this. And I thought this was, I mean, I went four stars. I thought it was a, a very enjoyable, fun match. Yeah, I didn't go. I didn't go that high, but I re- I really enjoyed it. I was at a uh, what three and a half, I think. Yeah. Also, in my notes, for some reason, I called them the Toyo Pals instead of mates, and I kind of like that more. Kelly, you can call them whatever you want. I was Hell about yeah! To do about, I was about to. <laughs> I was about to say Hell call yeah. them I'm whatever you want. S- Just Taylor don't call said them. I can say whatever I want. <laughs> Just don't call them late for dinner. Ah. Okay. <laughs> I said it. It was in my brain, and I had to get it out. Or else <laughs> I would have been thinking about it the rest of the episode. Uh, so, yeah. Good match. New champions. Eh, very exciting. The semi-main events of the show was a double title match for the both the International Princess title and the very prestigious NWA World Women's Television title. Max the Impaler representing the NWA defeating Rika Tatsumi to become double champion in 15 minutes and 19 seconds. Kelly, what were your thoughts on this match? A thought, uh, a match we both thought was going to have a sort of schmoz finish. Um, to yeah. Keep the titles on both people, that didn't happen. I was surprised to see at Billy come out victorious here and bring more gold to the NWA. Uh, oh, I thought the match was good. Uh, it was a little slower paced than I would have liked, but you know, it was cool to see a definitive winner. And I thought it was kind of an interesting take on the David versus Goliath match because Goliath won. Uh, I ended up going three and three quarters on it. I really enjoyed this match. I thought it was worked really well because I thought they had a good sort of back and forth and momentum, which made sense, which out without making it seem sometimes when you sort of have a big, it's like, oh, this wrestler is really big. This wrestler is really small. It just partway through the match. They're just like, oh, we're going to just ignore this. Um, and they're going to have an even match, but it never felt like it was just sort of them saying, okay, this is the time when Rika has to be, you know, sort of taking over the match because that's the way the match works. It felt very logical. And I wrote in my notes, I, you know, you could probably argue, is Rika the sort of in-ring, the best worker in Tokyo Joe? She's probably up there. I don't know if she's the number one, you know, Mizuki, very good. Yeah, she's uh, Miu, up there for sure. Mia, very good. But I think that she is the smartest. I can see that. Worker. In Tokyo Joshi, I just think she works very much in the same way that like someone like Tanahashi would work mm-hmm. in terms of they sort of, you know, and Rika has that same sort of heel side, even though she isn't a heel. She sort of has that ability, you know, early in the match, she was choking um, Max, but it sort of feels all like logical to what is happening and i just thought oh this is really like smart work well worked i went four and a quarter stars so i thought it was um 
very good. I just thought it was really well worked. I was shocked a bit by the, you know, result of Max becoming double champion, which also got me. But I just thought it was a really good, fun match, good match, well worked, uh, made both of them look good. You know, it didn't look at the end like Rika had just been squashed by this very much larger wrestler than mm-hmm. her. Um, so overall, I just I really enjoyed it, and I was vibing with the show at this point. Yeah. <laughs> the main event for the Princess of Princess title saw the challenger Miyu Yamashita defeat the champion Mizuki in 21 minutes and 24 seconds to make it a technically clean sweep of title changes. Um yeah. On the show, though, one was a vacant title and one was a double title, but still counts. Uh, still counts. Three title changes, three out of three. Kelly, I'm fascinated to know what you thought of this match. I will start by saying I was spoiled on the result. Oh, that sucks. I uh, I was not <clears throat> spoiled. I was spoiled. Uh, I went to Kelly and I said, Kelly, don't go to this location because you will be spoiled. <laughs> it was location that I had not expected to be spoiled in. Um, so I had told Kelly to not go there. And I enjoy this match, but I think being spoiled um, certainly probably hindered a little bit of my enjoyment of the match as well as the result itself. But Kelly, I'm interested to know what you thought yeah uh i i do really question the booking here but i thought the match was fantastic uh i went four and three quarters on this i loved it i thought it was the easily the match of the night uh i thought the there was a great just escalation to the match with just everything the hits getting harder as the match went on the bumps getting wilder I love there is a bit in like the second half of the match where the crowd just kind of fell silent and you could hear every strike. Like I love moments like that. And it was perfect here. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't really care for giving me the title here, but I do think it was a fantastic match for me. Mizuki's run to end on. So I guess I don't I don't know. Someone's yelling outside my house. What the hell? I th- I thought I heard something going on and I was yeah. like, "Oh, that uh they want to give their take on this match." Yeah. Um yeah. they need to let us know what they thought of uh the show. <laughs> so, as I said, I was spoiled, um disappointed by the result. I still thought it was very good. I went four and a quarter. I will say it is currently and this also sort of feels like a broken record now with Tokyo Joshi. It is now the highest rated Tokyo Joshi match of all time Um, (laughs) on cage match. I should say, Um, you know, it's funny because I looked at that on cage match and something of like out of the top 100 rated Tokyo Joshi matches, like 92 of them have happened in the last three years. Um, It's wild. Yeah. Some insane thing. But you look at like the top five and the top five are all like the five most recent shows, um, (laughs) which is pretty crazy. You know, I enjoy the action, but my thing is, and this goes back to 
you know, they got 868 people in the building, the lowest quote unquote Wrestle Princess attendance. And I think that now we have gotten to the point where it's sort of a chicken, a chicken or egg sort of thing where it's very clear to me that they are petrified to run a big event without the safety blanket of Yuka Shoko Miyu. Mm-hmm. And, you know, go back to their big shows. I mean, is there a single big show? I would have to look that doesn't have one of those three people in it. Yeah, I don't and think there is. If there is, there's not that many. But I think at this point, we are getting to the point where it's sort of like, well, Miu was in this match. The show only drew 870 people rounding up. So is it now a point where people are saying, you know, well, Miu's just going to get it back again. Oh, there's a big show coming up. It's got to go back on you know, such and such person. It's got to go back on me. It's got to go back on Shoko. Like, March 31st, are we going to be seeing Miu versus Shoko Nakajima? There's a very good chance we might see that. Yeah. Like, a match we've seen many times, and I think it's sort of like, well, what is causing the lower attendances? Is it that people only want to see these three people, or is it that people know that they're only ever going to see these three people? Like, my sort of canon was this was the match that would have solidified Mizuki on that level mm-hmm. to be like, great, you know, Yuka's not here anymore. You know, I've beaten some people and now I need to beat Miyu. And it's like, well, you've wrestled some other people, you know, good for you. Good job. Good try. Oh, but you can't actually beat the the people who are most important in the company. You know, you can't. Uh, we got we got a we got a quick outside Kelly's house update. Oh, okay. A small child has tipped over their scooter and is sitting on my lawn crying. Great, they're <laughs> they're equally as unhappy with this booking. She uh, is holding her knee and is very upset. Um. Where is anyway, their parents? Where, anyway, where was I? God damn um, it. Doesn't she know I'm recording a podcast? Well, now I can't Now I can't hear her. I'm not hearing anything. So. She's getting quieter. I think she's realized her parents can't hear her. Oh, someone's running. Someone's running over to her. There's an adult. He is consoling the child. All right, we're good. We're good, everybody. Okay. Back to the show. So it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, is this just gonna be it was like oh great finally they put the title on mizuki it's like great they did the next step and now they're like oh no we'll just go back like one step forward two steps back of just being like okay we're just gonna do the same thing that we always do and it's like do people want to see this and also does the talent look at this and be like you know if I'm Miyu Watanabe, I'm looking over at Stardom and seeing Mirai, who hadn't done anything. Now, she was a bit younger, and, you know, 
had less time in the company, but to look over and be like, this was a person who was sitting in the mid card and is now being mega pushed in stardom. Yeah. And here I am having great matches. The crowd really likes me. And yet, will I get a title shot? And if I win the title, am I going to hold it for three months until I just drop it to the people that they want me to, you know, drop it to? So it just feels frustrating to me because it feels like it feels safe for no reason. If if Miu had been on the top of this card and they were like, oh, and we drew 1,200 people and it's getting better and better because, you know, then they could point and say, oh, you know, we drew 1,200. Miu was on top. That, well, that's why we have to put the title back on her because she's the draw. But it's like, no, you only drew 870 people. It's not like you're blowing. It's also a thing where it's like, you're not exactly lighting the world on fire attendance-wise. Why mm. not take it like... That's the time when it's easier to take a chance. Like if you're getting 870 people, you take a chance. And then the next show you draw 775, you may say, okay, we made the wrong decision, but it's not the same as, oh, we're drawing 2,500 people and we put this title on someone and now we're drawing 900. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's, it's very, it feels short-sighted to move the belt to Miu. And it, it just also feels like, what's the, like, Miu has the title, she's constantly being like, I'm going to America, bye, like. Okay, yeah, it's I'm almost out, as if here. they're, they're like, well, we're going to use her to put someone over before she goes. I don't know. And maybe, you know, maybe the March 31st matches, Miu Watanabe versus Miu Yamashita and Miu Watanabe wins. And it's like, oh, they just didn't want to beat Mizuki with Miu. But Could I don't be. know. But I'm like, why? Yeah. Like, why is that? You're fine beating her with Miu Yamashita. Why not? You know, to me, I think if Watanabe has not held the title before the end of 2024, I think that they've made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And it's going to be a mistake more and more as stardom sort of sucks up a lot of the energy of Joshi that may start costing them like people. Like yeah. they've Unagi left, you know, Mina left, Mirai left, and they have all, you know, not Unagi, but... Mina has been pretty successful in stardom. Mirai has been very successful in stardom. And I'm sure there may be people who look over and are like, wait a minute. And I'm going to sit here for three years and wait for you to be exactly, perfectly comfortable putting the title on me. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, it has to be the exact, like, you got to take a chance. You have to take a chance sometime. And just running the same, now you don't even have Yuka. No. So it's not even like, you know, it's like Miyu, Shoko, maybe Rika, Miyu, Shoko. It's like you got to have missed, someone else and you have the it, talent. And they missed their chance to do something with Maki Ito because she's pretty much gone. Well, yeah, I think that she should have won the title. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the logical progression would have been Maki beats Miyu, Mizuki beats Maki. Yeah. Like, that's the logical progression, because now you're right. It's like, well, why put it on Maki now? She's one foot out the door, and it feels like that moment has passed. Like, 
that's the other thing. You're like, oh, well, we won't put it on her. We don't know if she'll draw. We don't. And now it's like, well, now you definitely don't want to do it. Right. Like you blew that. So I don't know. It's just this frustrating thing of like, great. They're having much better matches. I'm enjoying the show. You know, I still really enjoyed the show. Still a very good show. But I just sit here and I think like, but should I really get all that invested if the people I really want to win the title are just going to hold it for a couple months and then lose it to the same two or three people over and over again? Like Mm -hmm. banana peel wrestling. So, yeah, sort of a weird downer note to end for this show that I (laughs) very much enjoyed. But, you know, it's something we have to talk about and it's something I think maybe that they're not, you know, five years ago, this was a company where they were like, well, we want to put it on the best, you know, the people that they like best, because it wasn't like you could be like, Hey, come to the show. We've got great wrestling. Those shows five years ago, if you got one four-star match on a Tokyo Joshi show in 2017, you were like, this is one of their best shows. <laughs> now I'm like, if they have less than two four-star matches on these big shows, I'm like, Oh, it's not that good. Yeah, no, it's a disappointment. Um, not as good as it usually was. So I think they're also not used to that. It's like the draw can also be, hey, the action's really great. You know, it's people you like, action that's really great, and you don't have to just be like, okay, here's the two characters we think people want to see. Mm-hmm. So. That is Tokyo Joshi uh, Wrestle Princess for the other uh, big show happening on October 9th was Stardom's Nagoya Golden Fight uh, happening in front of 1,315 people. Um, Kelly, what were your thoughts overall on this show? Uh, it was okay. Kind of boring. You know it's a weird Stardom show and Mirai's in my favorite match. This show, there's sort of now tiers of stardom shows. Obviously, you have like house shows. Put those to the side for the moment. You have like big, big shows. Like the shows that you're like, they're really being hyped. They're going to have huge um, matches. They're going to have the biggest matches. You've got to watch these shows. Then there are the ones that are like, okay, we've got some interesting matches, maybe a couple matches we've sort of been building a little bit. That's very interesting. Okay. And then you sort of have shows like this, which to me feel like, oh shit, we've got a show. What should we put on the show? And look, they've got a talented roster. They can put fun matches together, but there's really no juice behind any of the matches besides like hey wouldn't this be a good match to see um and here sort of the hook of oh Kyrie's leaving again uh don't you want to come see her it just feels to me and it's funny because we've talked about this before about you know i think they've gotten better from two or three years ago of having less of these type of shows they still do pop up from time to time but now a lot of the big conversation is some people saying, hey, the five-star goes too long. And one problem of the five-star is you're asking them to wrestle for two months, all these very difficult matches, as well as doing other shows. Mm-hmm. And the you know stardom account tweeted, 
um, recently, they're like, wow, we're at more, we're doing more shows than we've ever done. You know, they did 70 shows in 2018, and I think right now they're at 144 shows. That's way the fuck too much. And I think it's very nice to be like, wow, we're doing more shows, but also think about, you know, the wrestlers are being like, hey, we might want to chill on this. And I think it would help everyone. I'm not talking about cutting 50, you know, going back down to 70 shows, but I'm saying instead of, you know, doing quote unquote 35 big shows again, quote unquote for a year, do, do uh, 20, do 25, you know, instead of having every month doing three big shows, do two, you know, and it's like, Oh, we won't draw, you know, we won't do this. We won't do that. But I think it's going to make the shows themselves each show better. And then you may draw more at each show Mm -hmm. instead of asking the wrestlers, okay, you just got out of this grueling tournament. You're all exhausted. Everyone is getting injured. Tom, they just announced Tom um, is going to be out some shows with an injury with a knee injury. Oh shit. I missed that. Uh, Yeah. Because they forfeited the um, first uh, tag league match uh like instead of doing that let them sort of recuperate and i think the shows that you do do will be better like this show to me felt very much like we needed some matches here are some matches the show sort of happened it ended and i just sort of thought okay uh sure like that was a show and i don't like feel i much prefer the stardom show where i leave thinking oh what great matches they had. Oh my God, I'm excited. Oh, I'm looking forward to the next show, you know, which was not this to me. Nah. Uh, so Kelly, did you watch the pre-show match? Uh, no, I did not. I did. Wow. Um, and I'll say it was fine and I have nothing else to report. Uh, it didn't exactly make me think, Oh, on some of these big shows where I missed the pre-show match, I really got to get in there and watch it. Um, you know, it was fine. It was six minutes long. Uh, Amisore won, uh, six, six way match. It was fine. Uh, the high speed title match, May Sierra finally winning the high speed title. Very deservedly, I would say, uh, beating the champion Saki Kashima. I thought the match was just fine. Again, only six minutes, uh, but good to get the belt on May who I think can start having those sort of fun high-speed matches at the opening of shows again. And I like Saki, but I think there is a limited shelf life to these sort of like, haha, uh, like meme wrestling, like, oh, I'm going to get you with a roll-up and I'm going to do these goofy things. Like with a title, I think there's sort of a limited shelf life with that. So to get out of it quicker, I think mm-hmm. it's better. And you put yeah. it on someone who's very talented. Exactly. No, this was the the right choice. Uh, I finally realized who Maceira remi- looks like to me. She looks like uh, Sumi Sakai, but Sumi Sakai is like the version of Maceira that was left out in the sun for a while. I don't see that at all. No? No. I think it's I think it's like their haircut more than anything. That's what 
kind of got me but i was like looking at her i'm like what the who does she remind me of and then i realized like ah sumi sakai is like the raisin of her well they are very differently uh i don't know i don't want to say they're very differently aged yeah but yeah uh, it's like so you just put Sierra in the sun for a bunch of years and then sumi sakai pops out the next match was a singles match. Sirioyano defeating Azumi in eight minutes and thirty-eight seconds. For me, this was trending towards a sort of three and three quarters, four-star match until the um, the finishing pin. We talked about it, I think, yeah. last episode. <laughs> it's like when she nails it, it looks really good, and when she doesn't nail that pin, it's like, ooh. Like, mm-hmm. ooh, not quite, because then they sort of had to finagle and get around and get in position. And I was sort of like, it was a good match. But then all you can think about is, oh, that and didn't really go very well. Yeah, I thought it was funny that they put this on directly after the high speed title match where it's just like, yeah, this is this could have been a high speed title. <laughs> match. Like, this I don't know. What... I probably would have spaced those out a little bit. This is what you will be seeing now that <laughs> Main Sierra has the title. Pretty much, yeah. But yeah, like outside of the finish, I thought this was great. I ended up still going three and three quarters on it. It's like it was one of those like kind of like a perfect undercard match where it's like it was really, really good, but not good enough to overshadow everything else on the show. The next match was a UWF rules match. Suri defeating Mina Shirakawa by knockout in 10 minutes and 45 seconds. Kelly, what do you think about this? What do you think about UWF rules matches? I like them. I enjoy them. I, I like this style. Uh, I thought I think it's fun that Suri does these every now and then. Just kind of gives something with a different feel to the show. Uh, I thought at first that Mina wasn't super suited to the style, but I think as the match went on, she kept, she did pretty well. Uh, I liked that Siri won by KO instead of just winning by points, which is, I was kind of thought they were trending towards that. Cause I mean, this is Siri's match. She should definitively win. So I was, I was happy they did that. Uh, and then they did some stuff in the post match, but overall I went uh, three and a half on it. It's funny that you said about as the match got on, it felt like Mina got more comfortable because I felt like the second half of the match just felt like a wrestling match <laughs> that they just had, like they sort of did some quote unquote grappling at the beginning. And then, then the second half were just like, Oh, we'll do a wrestling match and then you'll knock me out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I it was, see that. it's so clear to me. Like I didn't think Mina was bad in any way, but it's so clear to me just watching them move around the ring that Suri is actually someone who did this, like who did MMA and like actual shoot fights based on the way she sort of moves and like kicks. Like Mina at times looked like she was like, okay, I'm sort of portraying this quote unquote shoot fight or whatever you want to say type wrestler. There was a moment early on where Suri did a head kick and it clearly was meant to be sort of in that those moments when you're like, oh, we're feeling each other out. But she did a head kick that got very close to Mina's head and Mina did not put her arm up. And I was like, if this had been a shoot fight, it would have been over in like 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. 
Cause it was like a very fast kick. And I was like, her head is open and it would have been like, it would have been over. Um, but I liked, I thought it was solid enough. I enjoy, I probably would be around three and a half, maybe slightly lower. Cause I still enjoyed it. I sort of like, I'm a UWF, UWFI guy. Um, I've watched a lot of it. I like the sort of interesting twists on regular wrestling. So I enjoyed it. Uh, it was announced after the match, Shuri calling out uh, challengers worldwide. And the challenge was answered by Alice Inc. Just as a- we all expected who is a Scandinavian wrestler, uh, funny enough, who made her United States debut yesterday um, at Combat Fights Unlimited, which is a sort of shoot-style cage wrestling promotion. Here in the States, I watched a large portion of that show. I saw Alice Inc. Uh, She took on Kylan King, and I thought it looked very solid, and I thought, oh, she would probably make for a fun opponent for Suri in a UWF rules match. So I'm looking forward to that. All right. There you go. And we also got the creepy uh, Matsumoto video. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, which we'll be talking about for the uh, upcoming shows for the show that Kelly and I have been looking forward to for months now. Yep. Uh, the next match was a, um, the first of three title matches, the artist of stardom title match, the Donna Del Mundo champions of Julia, my Sakurai and Tekla defeating Micah, Megan Bain and Suzu Suzuki in only five minutes and 37 seconds. This was barely Uh, a match. This was barely a match. This felt very much like storyline uh progression yeah and you know what i'm kind of fine with that because cool let's move things for once we've been doing this micah goon stuff for like months now and hey something actually happened awesome like i it was like i think the match itself was fun they kind of just worked in a million miles an hour and then it was done so like what we got was enjoyable, but yeah, it was this was more of an angle than a match. Yeah, Micah and Suzu not on the same page at all, and Micah storming yeah. out at the end. Very they much cannot coexist. They cannot coexist. Uh, so I guess that dream is dead. Um, of this, I I did enjoy after, unit. yeah, after Julia like stormed off after Micah. And my Sakurai starts cutting a promo and she's like, oh, we should probably get out of here. It sounds like it's getting loud back there. <laughs> the next match was a wonder of stardom title match. The champion Mirai defeating the challenger Momo Watanabe in 15 minutes and 32 seconds. Kelly's favorite match of the show. Yeah, I thought this rocked. Uh, for the most part, it was very just a no-nonsense ass-kicking contest. Like, they beat the shit out of each other, uh, and then it ended with Mirai kind of powering through Momo's constant attacks on her arm and still winning with the Lariat. This was just like a super simple, super enjoyable match. Uh, I want four stars on it. Yeah, I think we'll never 
ever get back to the Momo Watanabe, champion Momo Watanabe of many years ago at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess I don't, I guess knowing that, I don't mind have her to have her come in. I think she had some good matches in the five star. I think this was good. Just coming in, she's still very talented and having matches like this, which are enjoyable. Um, you know, obviously was never going to win this match, but still able to have these enjoyable matches. And I hope that she continues to get those opportunities because it just seems like she's either getting the opportunities and doing well. And I'm sort of like, this is great. Or there's a period where she just sort of falls off the face of the earth and doesn't do anything. Yeah. So I hope she continues to get some of these opportunities because she's very talented and had a good match here. Yeah, it's nice to be reminded that this Momo still exists. Yes. Exactly. Like, hey, you're still in there. Thank you. The semi-main event of the show, a six-person tag team match, Kyrie saying farewell to stardom for the second time, teaming with Mayu Iwatani and Anai Takahashi to defeat Azuki Koguma and Saya Ida. Uh, Kyrie said, I'm not going out on my back. Yeah, um, ain't going to work for me, brother. I'm big timing. I'm big timing. Um, you know, I like the show. I like the show. I like the match. You know, it was fun, sort of meaningless because Kyrie's leaving. Um, but really just um, like the end to this, just to me, incredibly unsuccessful return of Kyrie Hojo. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I I thought this match was just a big nothing it's like here we are celebrating this incredibly lackluster run from Kyrie before she heads back to the Fed, who seemingly are trying to make inroads into Japan again. So it's like cool, she's joining the evil empire. Awesome, love that. It just ideally felt like... she would have put someone over, but you know, can't do that, brother. Like just, I wouldn't I wouldn't put a dud rating on this. Like I I want to, but I objectively cannot, so my rating is me making the jerk off hand motion. It just felt like to me that Kyrie got back to Japan and sort of realized, oh, I actually don't want to like I actually don't want to do this. Yeah, I would rather go back and have Nia Jax injure me more. I guess going back and just thinking, okay, I'll go back, I'll get paid probably pretty well, um, and someone will just tell me each night, just go here and wrestle for 12 minutes. Um, you know, she is now 35, yeah. Um, so she's not young. But just a, a very large contrast between her and Seri in terms of people returning from WWE and sort of the path they take. Now, of course, Sari is still very young. Um, but Kyrie, for you know many years in stardom, was one of my favorite wrestlers in the world and just came back and never, it never seemed like she was all that invested. It never seemed like the fans were 
all that invested. I mean, her final match here, and they drew 1,300 people, essentially 1,315. Yeah. And when she came back initially, it felt like, shit, she could be a game changer. Like, she could bring a lot of eyes to this, and it just never materialized. Yeah, so sort of just ends up um, feeling like a bummer. Yeah. Uh, And here, you know, she wins, but doesn't matter because she's leaving. Enjoy retirement again. And then the main event for the World of Stardom title, Tom Nakano defeating Natsuka Tora in 21 minutes and 34 seconds. Kelly, what did you think of this? Oh, God, it was so boring. Um, I think they actually both did work pretty hard here. But Tora isn't good enough to carry her end of things. And while she did work hard, it wasn't good work. Uh, I don't know. It wasn't as bad as it could have been. Like, I never watched this and I was like, oh, man, this is a disaster. And, you know, rubbing my hands like, ha let's." I wasn't the guy with my pr- face pressed on the windows, like, with a shirt that says sicko on it. I was just like, this is not entertaining whatsoever. So I went one and a half stars. I gave them that for putting an effort in this match. That wasn't good at all. Yeah, I just thought that I actually thought Tora did pretty well once they sort of got out of the Oedo Tai stuff, but it just never really I thought she had no chance, which she didn't win, obviously, but Man, imagine if she won. Just not um If they're just like fuck the uh, Tom's hurt, we gotta go <laughs> with with Tora. <laughs> Uh, just not exciting to me. Not a, not a, not a match for me. So that was Stardom's Nagoya Golden Fight. What else has been going on? Um, just a few hours ago, I have not seen it yet, but it was the Tag League Stardom Tag League opening show. I believe they drew something like eight hundred fans. So. Um, not a huge draw there. A singles match. Uh, Michiko returns to stardom, uh, or returned to stardom to take on Julia. And then they had a number of tag league matches there. What else has been going on in the world of Joshi? In seedling, Ayame Sasamura and Riko Kaiju successfully defended their tag titles against La Pedida and Ka Kadida. Uh, in Ice Ribbon, Mifu Ashida became the number one contender to the Ice Infinity title, defeating Curie in that short number one contender tournament that they were having. In Diana, they Diana had a Korokin Hall show. The big news there, Double Inoue, Kyoko Inoue and Takako Inoue defeated Ayako Sata and Hanako Nakamori to win the tag titles. Kelly, what else happened in the last two weeks of Joshi? Well, this isn't from the last two weeks. Uh, I had very much a moment of, oh, fuck, what is time anymore? Like, I was going to talk about this uh, DDT match, and I was like, oh, yeah, this happened, like, last week. Uh, No, it was uh, September 23rd, and I actually had it in my notes to talk about uh, on our last episode, but completely forgot I had watched it because I had Toy Fair brain. 
Uh, but this is DDT's Who's Gonna Top 2023 from September 23rd. The main event, uh, KOD open white title match. Chris Brooks successfully defending his title against Saki Akai. Uh, this was great. I would really need to look back through her matches, but I think this may have been Saki's best match. Uh, she, you know, was on her on her road to retirement. She threw everything she had at Brooks and really left no doubt that she could do this kind of main event epic. I went four and a half stars on it. Really enjoyed it. Uh, and then the other day on the 15th, or sorry, the 12th, GCW had the world on GCW 2023 in Curricane Hall. Main evented with a GCW ultraviolent title match with Rina Yamashita successfully defending against Masha Slamovich. Uh, they sure did go through a whole lot of light tubes in this match. Uh, super hard fought match. They really worked to a level to make this feel like a big deal match. It definitely was something they were very invested in making happen. You know, making happen. Rena's been having a great year in GCW, and this is just another really strong match to add to that resume. I also went four and a half on this one. Great. So that is everything that happened in the last two weeks of Joshi. But what is coming up? Uh, the first thing coming up on October 18th, Natsu Samiri will be having her 10th anniversary show. Uh, the match is there. Natsu Samiri, Rina Yamashita, and Kaho Kobayashi will take on Takumi Aroha, Saki Akai, and Azumi. Sakura Hirota and Itsuki Aoki will take on Hazuki and Koguma. And Veni will take on X. That was supposed to be Utami. Uh, but Utami out injured, so now taking on a mysterious X. And speaking of mysterious, stardom on the 29th, we'll be having Halloween Dark Knight House of Terror. Yeah! Uh, the show, the matches so far announced, I believe they are going to be announcing more matches. Uh, there will be a tag league match on that show, Siri and Saki Kashima versus Risa Sarah and Haragi Kurumi. They better make that spooky somehow, like drop a bunch of spiders in the ring or something. They will be having a zombie rumble. Zombie Hell yeah, they will. Uh, Mina Shirakawa will be in a handicap match facing Dump Matsumoto and Zap. Uh, sure. In a two-on-one match. Mirai will take on Halloween Mask. Ooh. <laughs> spooky. And speaking of spooky, Mayu Iwatani will be in a coffin match facing off against Crow A, Crow B, and Crow C. What could be more spooky than being reminded of your own mortality? By crows. Um... <laughs> uh, so uh, we'll see Hell what yeah. this what happens here. It sounds like a very strange show. I uh, love gimmick Halloween shows. I'm very excited about this. Interested to see if the crows uh, in the coffin match because it is a four way coffin match. So it is uh, everyone for them, every crow for themselves. Uh, but I don't know if the crows will be affiliated um, with each other or just random crows <laughs> i'm gonna be real upset if two of the crows turn out to be nana takahashi and you well never say never no i won't say never because it probably will be because rossi just has his like four ideas that he recycles on various napkins throughout his day 
And so there's a real good chance that's going to happen, but I don't want it to happen. Oz Academy will be having their big show of the year at Yokohama Budokan on October 22nd. The card is as follows. Jaguar Yokota, Ram Kaichou, and Momoko Hanazono will team up to face Tsubasa Kuragaki, Itsuki Aoki, and Kaori Yonayama. Suji Ishikawa will team with Maika Ozaki to take on Suwama and Maya Yuki. What? What are those teams? I love it. <laughs> uh, probably the biggest or one of the biggest matches of the show. Uh, spinning out of Mayumi Ozaki winning the AAAW title from Mio Momono will be Team Marvelous, Jagusa Nagayo, Tomoko Watanabe, and Mio Momono facing off against Osaki Goon, Mayumi Ozaki, Sayori Ino, and Kakaru Sekaguchi in a Elimination six-person tag judgment chain death match. Uh, it will be a three-on-three elimination match. If it gets down to one v one, it will then turn into a chain match. Uh, but all weapons are legal, so that should be a pretty crazy match. If Ozaki's yeah. previous big Oz Academy matches are anything to go by. This show, I'll, I'll tell you right now, just based on these first first three matches, this show's going to rock. Uh, the semi-main of the show will be a number one contender match for the tag titles currently held by um, Jaguar Yokota and Mayumi Ozaki team uh, 115. That will be Sonoko Kato and Ryo Mizunami versus Hiroyo Matsumoto and Zones. Versus Team 200 Kilogram, Chihiro Hashimoto, and you. And then the main event for the Oz Openweight title will be Akino taking on Takumi Aroha. So a fun show there, um, which I hope we will be able to cover on the next show because the Oz shows, the big shows that they do every year, always deliver. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to that one. Tokyo Joshi has their next Korokin Hall show. They haven't announced the entire card yet, but what they have announced so far, Saki Akai versus Yuki Arai. Uh, there will be a battle royal to determine the number one contender for the international princess title. Uh, the winner of that will get a shot at Max the Impaler on November 19th. Akari... You think it's going to be Palm? Uh, it could be. I think Palm has a real shot at winning that match. Hikari, <laughs> uh, Noah, and now Kakuda will defend their recently won tag titles for the first time against Moka Miyamoto and Juria Nagano. Kelly, do you think there's a title change there? Uh, definitely not. And in the main event, Miyu Yamashita will defend her recently won Princess of Princess title against the visiting Regina. Uh, in that a classic Gaijin invasion match. Sendai How fucking girls... wild would it be if they're just like, you know what? Put the belt on Regina. Yeah, let's let's put it on Regina. Let's see how this goes. Uh, Sendai Girls has two shows on October 20th and 21st. Uh, the 21st main event, Mika Iwata and Dash Jizako versus Seri and Sayori Ano, which should uh, be fun. I always look at these Sendai cool Girls shows and think, boy, I wish they uploaded um 
their shows in a more timely fashion. Yeah. I look forward to seeing this in uh, March of next year. And Ice Ribbon, uh, Sumika Yanagawa, and Misa Kagura will defend their tag titles on October 22nd against Ibuki Hoshi and Kaho Matsushita. And Kelly, what is going on in Choco Pro? Uh, Choco Pro's got a show at Shinkiba coming up. Uh, it'll probably already have happened by the time you listen to this. Uh, happening on the 16th. Uh, the show is called Back to New. Uh, the main event is the Asia Dream Tag Titles uh, with Best Bros taking on Kari Oniyama and Hagane Shino in a battle of mixed tag teams. All right. Well, that is everything coming up in the next two weeks of Joshi. So now I hand it over to Kelly for his usual show closing speech. Uh, So the other day or the other day yesterday, uh, I after months of on and off searching, finally managed to track down what is thought to be the most faithful fan edit of the Kill Bill whole bloody affair, which, you know, puts both of the movies together and makes it just one package. Uh, this, it was the Milkman Conspiracy edit. This was, uh, there's a bunch of different whole bloody affair edits out there, but most of them try and throw in deleted scenes that were not in Tarantino's version of it. So this guy is just basing his edit off of exactly what, people saw when they were shown this version at Tarantino's uh, movie theater. So I downloaded that and I'm very excited to watch it tonight. It also has what I'm most excited about is the uh, first Kill Bill volume. The big fight at the end is not in black and white in this version because they sourced it from the Japanese Blu-rays. Well, I have a story about that, which is that I did that manually in college. Nice. Uh, with a group of friends, I just had both um, movies, and we played them back to back, which is very long. It's like, four yeah, it's hours, like five hours. Um, yeah, the version that I've got is three fifty eight, I think. And we were watching um, with a group of friends, and about fifteen minutes prior to the end, uh, one of my friends stood up and was like, "Okay, I'm leaving," and we're like, "But wait, <laughs> we're at the climax. This is the climax." of the three and a half hours you've just watched. Don't you want to stay and see the climax? And she was like, no, I'm good. And walked out and we couldn't believe it. We were like, it's almost like, this is the part she's gotten to bill. Like this is it. And she was like, no, I'm good. Thank you. Goodbye. And it was wild. Wild. Uh, So I'll always remember that. I can't imagine watching that much movie and then being like, you know what? I don't need this last 15 minutes. Yeah, like, oh, I'm good. Uh, we couldn't either, uh, but she did leave and didn't uh, watch the rest. So that was that. But that was Kelly's final thoughts of our episode. And that is all for us for this week's episode of Jumping Bomb Audio. And we will be back to talk to you once again in two weeks. So until then, enjoy Joshi. Enjoy, Joshi. It's going to be a spooky time next time we talk. Woo! 
Hey everybody, my name is Jesse Collings, and I want to tell you all about my show, The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. On The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, we do a thorough analysis on the biggest issues and trends within the pro wrestling industry. We talk a lot about pro wrestling media, we talk a lot about fan culture and wrestling's place within general pop culture, and we talk about the broader influences that are shaping the way we discuss and analyze the pro wrestling industry. We've had some of the brightest minds in the pro wrestling intelligentsia on the show, including WrestleNomics host Brandon Thurston, both Rich Krejci and Joe Lanza from the Flagship Wrestling Podcast, Trevor Dame from the Through the Years Podcast, and a whole lot more. This isn't a show for hot takes. It's not a show recapping the latest episode of television. This is a show focusing on the biggest topics in pro wrestling and doing a deep dive on the real stories behind the surface level analysis you might find elsewhere. The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a try. Thanks.